Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. This is Chris, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you a guest to help you be a active participants in your kids' lives. And today we've got a great guest. Caleb Kinchlow is with us. He's an Emmy award-winning host and tech lifestyle expert, multimedia producer, parent technology advocate, a little bit of everything. We're going to be talking to him not only about being a father, uh, because he's a stepfather to two. He's a father. He's also got a, a brand new kid at home as well. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but we're going to jump into a brand new book that he has put out, and it's all about technology and the impact of technology um, with parents, kids, and technology. So it's a it's a really important topic, especially in the society that our kids are growing up with today and that we are growing up with them, and in all of that, that we have to be able to better understand as parents. So Caleb, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. You know, I'm really excited to have you on as well. You know, it technology is definitely something that we're all kind of um, wading through, and I, I'm I'm excited to delve into that. And but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about you as a dad, because this is a podcast about being a father. And you know, one of the things that I think that I want to throw out to you is when you had your first child, and I know that your your first you have two stepchildren, and then you have your you just had your first child um, with your wife. What was your first reaction when you found out that you were going to be a father? <laughs> my first reaction was, uh, well, first off, let me go with with, the, uh, with my, my my bonus kids. You know, the first reaction with that was was thinking about the the amount of responsibility uh, and the pressure and also the excitement uh, with being a, a parent and the opportunity, particularly with a, a young a young boy and a daughter, to be able to pour into their lives and really to help shape and mold them into the people they were going to be become. And now with them, obviously they're, they're a bit older, so I had to kind of jump in from you know what they're used to doing, the way they, the way they think, the way they process, kind of pivot in that direction. Now with the youngest um, son, when I first you know saw him in the hospital, you know, it was a very similar feeling, but the difference was I get to start from from ground one, you know, to doing to help mold him. So uh, just a mix of excitement, nervousness, and just uh, a, a, a new level of responsibility that just kind of came onto my shoulders. Completely understand that. I think every father feels that way, uh, you know, especially as you bring them home for the first time. And and then the reality hits of everything that, that, ha- that you have to deal with at that point and trying to figure it all out because there's no manual, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none at all. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like I figure it out. <laughs> Now, I, with your older kids and and even your 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 son too, what's what do you say have been the most memorable experiences that you've had thus far with them? You know, the most memorable. I mean, for me because it's it's also new. It's um, just building different memories. So everything that we do that we haven't done before is a a new exciting thing you know so my son you know uh he he's he never been to a comic book shop for example so had the opportunity to just spend uh, you know a, a father sunday and just you know take him to a comic shop get some pizza uh talk with him i'm um, even having a, a bike ride going out into um a trail you know just riding the bikes and we have our water and our snacks we're just spending time just talking you know about you know just just life things and just teaching him how to be a, a young man so uh it just really is it's something new, really, you know, almost every day when we get a chance to go out because, you know, it is our first time being together. Now, as you reflect on your experience thus far as a as a stepfather, there are other guys that are going to be listening to this that are also step parents, and there's there's definitely 
challenges that go along with that. What advice would you give to other step parents that are out there? So the first one I would say advice would be to one, not to be so hard on yourself and to understand that your idea and expectations of what it looks like to to blend as family will be very different from, from what their lives are as well. I mean, also there's different factors involved that you can't control. You can control what the relationship is or was with their, with their previous uh, parents. You know, you, you can't assume that they're going to necessarily want to all of a sudden want to mold together quickly. So I think um, giving yourself permission to learn, giving, giving them permission to also learn and grow as well, I think probably the best best advice that I have, especially starting off in a, a step-parent role. Well, I love that. I appreciate the, you you sharing that because I think it is not an easy thing. And definitely, I'm, I'm not a step-parent, but I had a I had a stepmother before she passed and, and, and you have to build those relationships and it's different than growing up with someone. Right. So uh, I, I completely understand what you're saying, excuse me, in, in that way. Now I want to talk about this book because you wrote a book called parents, technology, parents, kids, and technology. And it is a challenging topic. Just having the conversations with my tween and teen daughters, myself, knowing how much that they in, interact with technology today uh, and how much it impacts their lives in so many ways with their relationships and so on and so forth. You know, I guess, first and foremost, what prompted you to write this book? Well, you know, over the, the past few years, you know, we've seen this influx and a lot of just headlines involved with uh, cyberbullying, anxiety, depression, suicide. And with all these different headlines, there were usually two key factors. The first one is that it involved technology of, of, of some source. And the second aspect of it was that the parents, when they interviewed them, they were really just completely unaware of what was going on. So that's why I decided to write this manual. And that's why you know, at the end of each chapter, I have discussion guides uh, and key takeaways to have those courageous conversations uh, with our kids. When you're setting this up for parents, at what age would you say is the right age to start having these courageous conversations with your kids about technology? The moment you decide to give your child a smart device, or even before that, they need to start having those conversations. Now, think about that. When I talk to parents, it's you, you can have age-appropriate conversations. So for someone that's younger, it is, hey, what does a, a good picture and bad picture look like? What information do we share? Do we not share? You know, because the thing about it is parents need to understand that it's not just a matter of, of, of if your child will see something, it's really a matter of when. You know, what, what research has told us that the, the average age for a child to stumble upon something like pornography for boys is around eight years old, and for girls, it's 12 years old. So they're already going to have the experiences. So as parents, it's our responsibility to really prepare them uh, before these things occur. You know, as you say that, it makes me think about the, the fact that there's a lot of things that parents just don't understand about tech, technology and kids. And what, what are you finding as you're talking to parents and you're, you're out there talking to kids? What would you say are things that parents really don't understand when it comes to kids and technology? So the biggest thing that parents understand is really the scope and the access that this technology provides. So I, I tell parents this all the time, said so if you give your child unrestricted access to a mobile device. It is the, the equivalent of taking a sewage line and connecting it to them. You see, and the problem is that, is that our, our kids really don't have the uh, mental or even emotional maturity to really wade through all the different issues um, that, they, that will arise. You see, the, what wisdom does is that wisdom goes to the future, looks at the outcome, and then comes back and makes a decision. And, and at that time, the kids really just don't have the maturity to 
really fully processed that just yet. Now, as you say that, I know that there's a lot of different technology that's out there that's to, that's out there to help parents to be able to somewhat watch over what kids are doing, but also to there's I know that there's technology that will block different types of things too. What what are your thoughts on things like that? Well, you know, I, you know the technology to block things is definitely you know you you have to do. It. I recommend those software, Covenant Eyes, um, Bark is a software that I partner with that I love as well. But beyond just the the filters, because eventually the kids can get around the filters, or they may look at something that's not that you can't filter. That's why the parents, this is probably the most important thing, is they need to have these courageous conversations and consistent conversations. You see, oftentimes parents think, oh, I want to have the one t- one conversation about, you know, the birds and the bees, sex, drugs, or whatever. But as they go through life, as they're dealing with, you know, with their peers and, and different emotions and things, the conversations need to continue to happen as they continue to grow. So don't just stop one conversation, have the conversation consistently about different things and also allow them to even share and create an open space for them to be able to say, you know what, mom, dad, this is what's happening. Or even you prime them with a, with a question to kind of get them to, to, to share. Now, if someone is listening to this, let's say they have a tween, you know, some, and they have not had any of these conversations. They just kind of gave the technology to them when they were younger and it's a little bit late. What are some ways in which you can start those conversations after the fact? First off, you know, for them to understand that it's it's never too late. As long as they are living under your roof and you have access and an open opportunity to communicate with them. You can, so one of the things I, I definitely recommend is to, one, you have to research, this is onus on the parents, to research what's happening with technology. Even just a basic question in terms of, have you seen anything that made you feel uncomfortable? Or maybe just ask a bold question about Whatever your concern is, whether that may, might be cyberbullying, maybe it might be uh, pornography, might be too much time on the device. Oftentimes, parents are are fearful to ask the question because they feel like, you know, oh, there's no possible way that the kid would tell them, or or they're so out of the loop. But you're not out of the loop. You you have also have access to ask the conversations, or if you want to, you can put the filters and stuff on there whenever you feel like it because you are really, in fact paying for that smart device. So it's really is your right to be able to to do those things. You know, I think that sometimes parents feel like helicopter parents and there there's a bit of a fear for putting the hammer down and and trying to put those safe limits on. You know, how can parents provide safe limits without kind of feeling like that helicopter parent? So the first thing to do in, in involved with, with helicopter parenting is to one, to have the conversation and set the expectation for for, for the device usage, you know, because as we said, their their teen, your kids are just on their own, don't have the emotional maturity to be able to, to handle it. And the second thing is, is the filter aspect. We, we touched on that a little bit earlier, but the filters are a must. You have to put that on there. And, and some of the filters that you can use um, don't, will, will allow you to, to only see certain, certain keywords that you can put in place. So for example, one of the, one of the, um, the, the applications that, that I really like, my, my wife and I like, uh, it's called Bark. B-A-R-K. And what it does is it allows us to have keyword notifications. So if something pops up in a, in a text message or social media that we have a concern about, you know, maybe it's a provocative image or, you know, certain keywords pop up about suicide or, or anger or bullying or whatever, we'll get a notification on that. And once we get the notification, we as parents say, you know what, we sit down with our son and say, Let, let's talk about this issue. Um, just kind of see, hey, what are your stances on it and maybe how you're feeling. If there's a situation that you can't handle, we're going to step in to help be a part of it. So so make so make these, these these situations a a family thing. It's not a they have a smart device. I have my smart device. No, it's we're all working together um, to build our family and make sure that everyone's safe with using this technology. You know, I'm glad that you brought up Bark because I actually use Bark myself, and and we know quite well that it is a great service. And what I, one things that I love about it is that it 
is non-intrusive and it allows for a parent to get those notifications without the child mm-hmm. truly feeling like the parent is like coming and reading everything over their shoulder. The parents are only getting at the notifications if there is potential concern. And then you can have those meaningful conversations. And that's one of the things that I really like about Bark. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really why, you know, and going back to, even with the book as well, I, I, I have a list in the book of about like 30 things to be able to say, hey, do some, some just some just starting points just to say, hey, let's talk about this issue. That way you can make this a family discussion. It's not just you trying to figure it out on your own. And as we said at the beginning, there's no manual. So a lot of times you do have to figure out things on your own. So having resources like you just said, <laughs> that so you don't have to figure it out on your own is all the better. One of the key things in your book is that technology changes, but principles say stay the same. How can this help parents practically? So in a practical, you know, it's, it's, it's very simple. So we obviously know the standards, technology changes, it's always evolving, you know, constantly, but the principles in terms of the process and how you deal with the situation doesn't change. So for example, it's not just, and now it might be a, a text message that was sent or a picture that was sent, but previously it was a note that was sent. As, as, as adults and as parents, we, we all know what it feels like to like somebody, to feel rejected, to, to, to feel like they're not fitting in. The only difference here is that the vehicle for expression has changed, you know. So, so the text message, it's it's a no, or vice or vice versa. So, what I encourage parents to do is to want to share some of the mistakes that that you have made and be really open about those mistakes um, and the successes as well. And, and also in terms of how you dealt with people, how you deal with friendships and relationships and communicating, the principle of, of that process does not change. It's just a vehicle for expression. So for parents, I tell them, do not be fearful that because you don't have a TikTok account or a Snapchat account that you can't possibly understand the relationship building that's happening because you've dealt with that same thing before back in in your or our generation. I like that because I think that you're completely right, that things are constantly changing. My daughters bring me TikToks and, you know, they start talking about all these other things. And sometimes I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) You know, explain this to me because I have no clue. And I don't understand why you like to do these little music video things. Are there other pieces of technology that are coming out right now that we may never have heard of that we need to know about, that we need to be aware of, that you would throw out there right now? So so, so right now, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing is, you know, like, like you mentioned, TikTok is, is the biggest one right now. Instagram is obviously huge right now. Snapchat are the biggest ones. Um, and I think we're going to see those kind of maintain as the, the key ones for a little while. Uh, there are obviously there are other one-offs, you know, like, for example, there's like Whisper, you know, which allows for like secret communication and things. Or, um, or even ghosting apps. But see, but see, even to, even to touch on that point with the apps, um, one of the things that, that we actually do um, in, in our household is that if our son wants to download a new app, the way our phones are set up is that he has to send us a notification that he wants to use this new app. That way, my wife and I get a chance to research it, and that way we can have a, a family conversation and say, okay, let's talk about some of the concerns, uh, the pros and the cons about using this app. Instead of just giving him free reign to just download whatever he wants. So, so I definitely recommend parents be, be a little more involved in, in monitoring um, what their kids are being able to download and access on the, the smart devices. I know you talked about some different resources that are out there. And I think the concern of some parents is that as you're setting these boundaries, you're going to be having to be on your phone all the time to be able to watch over these things and make sure that you're you're keeping up on everything that's happening. You know, How can parents set these boundaries without having to stay glued to that phone? Right, so so there so there's a couple of ways to do that. So the first one is is you obviously have to set the 
expectations of what you're going to allow or not allow and, and trust them to, to make the right decision in that regard. The second part as well is in terms of limiting the the time, how much time they're spending on, on their devices, I recommend having no phone zones. So, you know, parents, you have to, you have to take back some of the control here that, that we've released, um, you know, it just, it just not being aware of the access that they have. So, for example, you, you depending on, on who you're on your teen or your tween, you might say, you know what, we're not going to allow you to have your, your phone in your room or you can't sleep with your phone in your room. Or maybe during dinner time or in living room or whatever, certain areas of the house where you're not going to, it's not going to be a phone time. So we're going to limit the, the amount of access. You're going to have to do something else. So that way the, the kids are not always on the phone all of the time. That's great advice. And I think that uh, there's definite places I can see in my house that would be great for that. Now, uh, transitioning, if you haven't done that and you, let's say your kids are older, again, I, I, I'm guessing you're going to say it goes back to the communication and the conversations, but are there tips that you might give to, again, parents that have not had those conversations that would allow for them to set up those zones, you know, and have their kids better understand without getting defensive? Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's why, you know, the, you know, the crux of, of, of my research and the book and everything that I, I talk about really has to do with the communication aspect of it. So that's why when I say, so what we do is, you, so I recommend first off, you, you sit down with your, 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 your teen or tween and you discuss the, based off their age range, obviously, the major concerns that th- that you have as a parent, and also you allow them to discuss some of their concerns, and then that's when you make the decision of 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 how you're going to to operate. I know a lot of parents, or not a lot of parents, but some parents have created even um, technology contracts, and, and I can go on, on online, type in technology contracts, and you can get one that has everything from screen time, it has access, it has how long that you're going to be using your device, what you're going to look at, what you're not going to look at. That way, it puts a little bit of responsibility on them as well, and not not just you. And then also, even with, with putting different software on the device and things of that nature, I, I recommend being open about it and, and not trying to hide it. So that way they know, hey, we are monitoring what you're doing. And we know that people function differently when they know that they're being monitored <laughs> by, by other people. So that's why I say, hey, you know, like have a conversation, tell them about those things. Um, and it's never too late to start the conversation. And again, with the parents, understanding that these the, the kids you know, are living under your roof, you are funding their lives literally. So it's your right to be able to set the boundaries how you see fit, but also rec- recognizing that it really should be a, a family joint conversation, not usually trying to, trying to be a, a tyrant, trying to control everything, but really to work together for the, be- for, for the best of their good. Many people that are our age right now, they're considered millennial parents, you know, technology is still impacting our lives. And we, I think we're we're one of the first generations that were truly impacted in 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 this way in the in the fact that technology is so changing so quickly and we're having to deal with that now as a millennial parent what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in parenting today so the first one i see is is, is i'm going back to the to the parents not understanding one one the, the scope right and then also it, it, it depends on the age range so for example it's like the the parents are might be young enough or old enough rather to remember the analog aspect of things, but also dealing with the the digital aspect of things as well. So I think what happens is, is because when technology first came out, 
it was such a scary thing, such a new thing that some of our thinking has been stuck back then. We don't we, we don't want to evolve. We don't want to research. We we assume a lot of assumption that oh it's it, I hear this all the time with all every parent I ever talked to oh no not my kid my kid would never do this my kid would never do that when I tell them no it is it, your kid is doing that your kid will experience that so it's really changing the mindset of what it means and what the technology the technology really is providing for for the kids uh, then also the second thing as well was kind of going back to what we talked about just briefly again is really being fearful to engage with your, with your kids and to take time to have those conversations because obviously we might be too busy with work or we just feel like, Hey, we just don't, we just don't know or don't care. But it, just as we research what's happening with the news, what's happening with, with the economy what's happening you know, in the world, it's just as important, if not more important to research what's happening in technology and how that it might be affecting you know, your kids. I really love that because I think that it, it truly is affecting our kids in a different way. And we have to understand that. I do remember the analog aspect. I think about the coronavirus, the COVID-19, the pandemic that we're going through right now, and what it would have been like if this had happened when I was growing up mm-hmm. and there was no technology like this. And you would basically be in your house with books or you'd be in your house with your TV, (laughs) a couple couple stations that you had, right? So what are you seeing as you're seeing that as you're seeing all of this pandemic that has happened to our society today and parenting in this pandemic, you know, what would you say that you're seeing in regards to parenting and how it's different in the pandemic era that we're in now? That's That's a great question. You know, and a lot of parents are really... (laughs) <laughs> their eyes are being opened to one, um, just how difficult it is to 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 entertain, if you will, and to really teach um, <laughs> our, our our kids because like they're home twenty four seven. They're not they're not really leaving. There's no break. So that seems to be a major issue with that. I and mean, also the amount of time that they're spending on technology. They're spending more time because they don't have the. Now they're in classroom. They're in class. You know, doing schoolwork for X amount of time. So now they're always online. So. So being able to monitor the the content that they're using and also how much content they're that they're consuming. Uh, so one of the things that I recommend, I've been telling a lot of parents and uh, doing interviews about this as well, is to set up a a schedule for for your your kids. Uh, you know, I recommend using a website called Khan Academy, uh, and they have um, you know just to give you a, they basically give you a, a schedule from you know eight in the morning up till five o'clock at night if you like or six o'clock at night. However. Um, and it gives you also resources to be able to help educate your students. So um, they can they can learn um, you know, the, the, the mathematics and all the way to STEM education as well. Uh, and I think by having a schedule set up in place, it allows one for you as a parent, because, you know, if you're working at home, you're still working, you're still doing something to not have to worry about, OK, well, what's my what is my kid doing right at this moment? Because, you know, you have a schedule set in place. You know, and you can include in the schedule screen time, movie time, Netflix, Hulu, whatever it is. Um, as part of the overall schedule. Having a schedule is so important. And I think especially now, because, you know, otherwise there, you potentially, you, you fall into a routine of, you know, kids staying up really late, they get up really late. And then, you know, it's just kind of laying around or not, not specifically doing things that need to be done when they need to be done. And depending on your school district and how rigorous the schooling at home is, you know, it is definitely a challenge. I know earlier we talked a little bit about uh, parenting as a step parent. What would you say when it comes to being a step parent 
and managing technology. How would you say that you would, as a step parent, be able to manage technology usage for your stepkids? So, so with, with that in mind, you know that that starts off first with the the, the husband and wife, you know, you know, or, or your your spouse or partner. So basically, you're sitting there and saying, okay, let's 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 brainstorm. You know, what does this look like? You know, this is you know, depending on, on what they what their background is, what does it look like? You know, what what are, what are their norms? How, how have they been functioning? You know, um, what does it look like? How can we make adjustments to to the technology uses, whether that's less or more, or the content, the access, you know, what what have you? Um, and then once that happens privately, then you come together and you approach your your children and say, hey, this is kind of what we've decided, um, and this is why. You know, if what they're doing previously works. Then you don't need to adjust it because because we know that every kid is different. Every kid functions differently. They, their behavior patterns are different. The emotional state is different. So figure out what works and what doesn't work, and then once it once you decide that, you actually begin to implement it. But the key thing is that uh, you and your, your your spouse have to be on the same page about this. And then also, I mean, I'm also, I'm a huge advocate for communication. Really explaining in detail. Because our kids are smarter than we give than we give, give them credit for. So explaining in detail, hey, this is this is the concern and this is why, you know. And then obviously you make you make adjustments because this contract, if you, whether it's a verbal contract or written contract, it's it's a living breathing. It evolves. So as they they progress, as they meet certain goals, then you can allow more access if that's what needs to be done. If they don't, you take some away. It's definitely a ongoing conversation. You've mentioned that numerous times that it's not one conversation, it's multiple conversations. I do appreciate everything that you shared today. And I I, I know that from everything that you said here, I love the concept of, of what you're talking about. And the, I need to get a copy of this book myself because I think that it's definitely something that will help all parents to be, better be able to understand the pieces that we need to be able to consider as we're trying to raise our kid in a digi- kids in a digital age. So I thank you for sharing all of this. I know that it is going to be highly valuable for people that are going to be um, hearing it and that are kind of wading through it as we talk right now. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Sacrifice. When was a time that you felt that you finally succeeded as a father? When I, when my, when I, when I saw my my son begin to to serve um, his mother, the way that I've been teaching him that a man should serve, the way a man should serve. Now I know you have a younger son right now that, and he's very young. But as he gets older, and as your stepkids get older, how would you want your kids to describe you? I'd want them to describe me as a father who was consistent, who was also intentional about his actions and how he um, taught and also how he cared and loved and supported his family. Who inspires you to be a better dad? Um, my father um, and also my grandparents, because they were exemplary parents and fathers, so I watched them. But also my kids inspire me, you know, because I recognize just how how valuable and the blessing and the gift of what I'm getting, what I'm embarking on as a, as a father. So seeing them uh, makes me want to be to be better. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads beyond the technology advice and things that you just shared, or or just kind of a synopsis of what you just said too? The the number one piece of advice I would give is to be a a student of your family, be a student of the of the personality types, be a student, understand. Um, as best as we can, what makes them tick? 
what makes them process, how they process, how they think, um, and being intentional about um, meeting those needs. Uh, not just not just the the physical needs of, of you know whether it's money or home, but many of those emotional needs. That's really going to help them moving forward uh, in their lives. Well, Caleb, I truly appreciate everything that you shared today. Now, if people want to find out more about you and uh, your book, where should they go? Uh, the best place to reach me is to go to my website, calebkinchlow.com. That has access to my book, to my, my videos, media, and also all my social channels are connected to that website as well. Well, thank you, Caleb. We'll put links in our notes today. And I truly appreciate you being here and everything that you shared. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was definitely a blessing. I was excited to be here. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be